0: Brothers and sisters in Christ, the Lord be with you. And also with you. How many of you are ready to receive the word of the Lord? Will you just raise your hand? Praise the Lord. And may the Lord bless us with a time of entering into his word that our lives may be transformed by his love. And in this first part of the message, I require your participation. May I ask what comes to mind when you think of Toyota? Cars, okay? Just shout aloud, okay? You might win a prize. (laughs) Maggie. Dunking. Prada. Ah, why so shy? (laughs) If you have a Prada bag, just shout it out. Yeah. Seiko. Wesley, member. What? <laughs> huh? <laughs> BMC, is <isn't> it? <laughs> A long BMC program, okay. Um, but you fill in the blanks. But my point is this. What comes to mind when we think of Christians? That's the larger question I have in mind. What comes to mind? You know, David Kinnerman, author of the book Unchristian, did a national survey in the US amongst young adults on their perception of Christianity. And the surveys revealed that the three most common perceptions of Christianity by young adults in the US are this, anti-homosexual, judgmental, and hypocritical. You know, my friends, sadly, in the world today, the Church has become known for what we oppose rather than what we stand for, isn't it? What then should we, the Church, the people of God, be known for? In the final days of his life, Jesus gave his disciples a command, one that is to be the defining mark of his disciples, of us. In fact, the word mondi in Mondi Thursday refers to this very command, and it comes from the Latin word mandatum, right? Let's now read the scripture text taken from John 13, verses 31 to 35. Will you join me in reading the word of God? As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory and God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will give his own glory to the Son and he will do so at once. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me but you can't come where I am going. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God God indeed. The context for the scripture text today is this. It was just before Passover festival and Jesus had earlier washed the feet of his disciples. And in verse 31, Jesus now says to them, the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. And in John's gospel, glory doesn't mean winning the gold medal in the Olympics. It refers to the cross. Jesus is telling his disciples, that he will go to the cross very soon. And now he gives his disciples a command, which he calls a new commandment. It's the first and only time he does so in John's Gospel. It was almost as it were his final words, his final command to his disciples before his crucifixion. And it illustrates to us the importance of this command. But some of you might be wondering, how is this command new? Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. After all, didn't we read of a command in the Old Testament to love one another? And that occurred certainly before his coming. So why is this command new? In its simplest and best-known form, the command to love one another may be found in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, which says, "Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself." So how can Jesus say? that this is a new commandment. Well, in my message today, may I suggest that there are three ways that this is a new commandment, right? Firstly, the commandment that Jesus gives in the Gospel of John is new in the sense that it sets a new parameter. If you look at Leviticus 19.18, the reference to fellow Israelite in the first half of the verse, limits the definition of neighbor to fellow Israelites. In other words, the command to love in Leviticus appears to be limited to the Israelite community. In fact, during the time of Jesus, many Jews took pride in their cultural heritage, in their religious uh, heritage, in their chosenness by God. And they considered Gentiles unclean. They referred to Gentiles as dogs, the uncircumcised. However, in John's Gospel, we are told in very clear terms that God's salvation, God's love, is not just reserved for the people of Israel, but is extended to all people of the world. Jesus came to offer salvation to everyone, Jew and Gentile, in John 1 verse 12, we are told that to all, all without qualification, who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. And in First John chapter 2 verse 2, we are told that Jesus himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. In fact, in the Gospels, Christ redefines or reclarifies the Old Testament understanding of neighbor through his teachings. We see that in the famous parable of the Good Samaritan, isn't it? Where a Gentile Samaritan, a race despised by the Jews, was in fact held up by Jesus as the epitome of a loving neighbor who loved his Jewish wounded Stranger, And here in John 13, Jesus extends the parameter of love from, from an Israelite neighbor to the generic love one another. Jesus extends the parameter, and in commanding his children, his disciples, to love one another, Jesus clearly intends that his death on the cross would break down the barriers and hostility of race, ethnicity, and class divide in the Jewish and Roman world that suppress, that oppress the marginalized. It is most tragic today that racism, nationalism, xenophobia, phobia, is on the rise, isn't it? Fueled, in fact, by the pandemic, which some referred to as the Chinese or the China flu or the China virus. And more recently, the TikTok saga. Of course, we're all very proud of the Singaporean who got a grilling, isn't it? But closer to home, the Straits Times article a few years back reported that class, class divisions, not race nor religion, is potentially Singapore's greatest divide and that there is a trending, rising discrimination against those from the lower strata of Singapore society. And in this article, they interviewed this security guard who was recounting how he was repeatedly called useless and stupid by the condo residents. People of God, the new commandment makes it clear that racism, bigotry, discrimination, snobbery, prideful arrogance have no place amongst God's people. Have we set parameters on who we embrace and love? Look at Jesus. He loved Peter despite knowing that Peter would deny him three times in a moment of weakness. Jesus discipled Judas, fellowship with him, even though he knew that Judas would betray him. My friends, how might the Lord be asking you and me to broaden our parameters of love this Holy Week? What are the biases, the unholy prejudices, the grudges that we need to repent of and surrender to the Lord at the cross? My second point is this, that the command that Jesus gives in John is new in the sense that it prescribes for a new passion. A new passion. You know, in the traditional commandment, we are called to love the neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that's very subjective, isn't it? Because sometimes we don't like ourselves very much. But the Newness of the command to love each other in John 13. Just as I have loved you. That's new. It's found in John 13, verse 34. The standard, therefore, has been exponentially raised. It's no longer love your neighbor as yourself, but love your neighbor just as Jesus loves you, isn't it? That's the standard, just as Jesus loved you and me. We're called to love to the degree that Jesus just exemplified in the foot washing. Foot washing was a task that was too menial even for Hebrew slaves to do. And usually, even if it was done, it was left to the non-Jewish slaves. And for a teacher, a rabbi, to wash the feet of his disciples was unthinkable. And therefore, To follow the pattern of Jesus is to lay aside all status, all rank and prestige and privilege and take the form of a servant. My friends, even then, the foot washing is a prelude to something even greater, the great sacrificial love on the cross. Never in the history of humanity has God appeared in human flesh demonstrated his love for sinful people by dying a horrific death on the cross for their sins. My friends, the new commandment is new because it calls us to love with a new passion, to love each other as Jesus loved us. You know, in our Singapore context, it's hard to envisage having to love each other this way and to the extent of dying for another person And I'm not asking you to do this after the service, right? But it is inspiring to read of how, for example, a Singaporean couple, Rudy and Pao Yen, risked their lives to travel to Ukraine to help build houses, to care for special needs adults and orphans. You know, while not all of us are called to go to Ukraine, I think all of us certainly are called to die to self, to serve others sacrificially in love, to love as Jesus did wherever God has placed us. You know, in my time in Wesley, I've been so encouraged by different pockets of Wesleyans who serve faithfully from our teachers in the young people's ministries, children's ministry, between youth ministry, from the choir, the ushers, the worship teams, and many others who serve sacrificially in love. In particular, I want to highlight a group of seniors, I believe from the Wesley Growing Years Ministry, who visit the sick, who attend wakes to grieve with those who grieve, all behind scenes, the, the scenes, and, um, and, and, and the minister to our mom members. No limelight, just out of love. And I've been so blessed and encouraged by the example. Friends, the new commandment is a command that's directed to all of us. Jesus says, calls each of us, all of us who are disciples, to love as he loved. It is not an option. It's not something we can choose to ignore or to avoid. It is something that we as disciples are called to do and to grow into. Yet, by rough estimates, only a fraction of us in Wesley are able to serve actively, to cultivate a posture of love through service. And I want to encourage you during this Holy Week, if you're not actively serving, not actively loving, then take that next step of discipleship during this Holy Week. Ask the Lord how you may grow and serve in the New Commandment within this faith community and also outside. Visit the ministry pages in the Wesley website. Ask the Lord to lead you to a particular area of ministry where you can learn to love. Even if you are constrained by time, by health, ask the Lord to show you a way. One of my homebound members could not serve in church due to health reasons but she told me that she would just lock herself up in the room and pray through the Wesley Weekly, all the prayer items for our missionaries, for our missioners, and the various events that were happening in church. That's an expression of the New Commandment as well. Friends, the New Commandment puts loving others, as Jesus loved us, at the heart of discipleship. And this is very humbling to me, Even as a pastor, it's something that I grapple with. You know, whenever I'm called to make hospital visitations, visit a wake, conduct a funeral in short notice, admittedly, it can be disruptive. But what I've learned through the years is that attending to a person who is ill or struggling or journeying with a grieving family, to simply love as Jesus loved, is not an interruption not a distraction from ministry, but in fact, it is at the very heart of who we are called to be as disciples of Christ. I remember visiting a homebound member in hospital. And when she saw me, she asked, Pastor, you came to visit me? Did you come to visit other people? Were you just passing by? And when I told her, no, I'm here for you, she looked at me in disbelief and said, so you really came to visit me, just me? I said, yeah, just, just you. And then taking my hand, she said, God bless you. At that moment, I was truly humbled. And it dawned on me that when we take baby steps to serve like Christ, God is remaking flawed, imperfect persons like myself, somehow doing something in me, to bear his image. He's doing a renovation. A new creation in me. To bear his image. Francis Chan put it this way. Do you know that nothing you do in this life will ever matter unless it is about loving God and loving the people he has made? End quote. And friends, for so discipleship, is not so much is trying to do great things for God. But discipleship is about doing all things, whether small or big, with great love, for the sake of a great God. By His grace, may He help us to grow in this area here in Wesley. The command that Jesus gives is new in the sense that calls us to accomplish a new purpose. A new purpose through our loving. You know, as disciples give and receive love from one another, we become wounded healers, we encourage one another in our faith journey. A new community of love and faith arises, as we saw in the book of Acts, isn't it, upon, at Pentecost. But Christian community is not an end in itself. Jesus is saying that our love... Would be a signpost to the world. It would be an advertisement, as it were, that God may be found amidst his disciples in a cruel and decadent world. God may be found amongst his people. You know, Jesus didn't say that the world will know that we are his disciples by our beautiful sanctuary or by the wonderful hymns that we sing, or even by the sermons that we preach, or by our Bible knowledge, or by our programs and strategies, by our wealth and resources. I mean, these are important. But Jesus didn't say that. He said, the world will know that we are his people. The body of Christ, signpost that points people to God, when there is a supernatural expression of his love amongst his people. And we are his people, my friends. Tertullian, a church father who lived in the 2nd century AD, records what the pagans of his time were saying about the Christians around. And quoting from him, he records uh, what the pagans were saying. See how they love one another and are ready to lay down their lives for each other. The sacrificial love, the supernatural love within the Christian community amongst themselves and extended to others was an advertisement that God was real and present their midst. And throughout Christian history, the last, the least, and the lost in human society, the widows, the orphans, the outcasts, the pariahs, the abused, the exploited, the discarded, the marginalized, the hopeless, have been drawn to the body of Christ as a place of refuge and hope to recover their dignity and worth as image bearers of God, as people are part of God's creation, loved by God. And so, church, that's why we have a welcome corner where a team of faithful Wesleyans serve every week as hosts to welcome guests in our midst. That's why Pastor Ray has um, uh, sort of established the hospitality area after the 9.30 service. Or that's why we have... um, Hospitality after the TSS service, the Saturday service. That's why we have events that bring us together. Is to cultivate this love amongst the people of God. And so friends, if you haven't experienced loving relationships with others in community, consider joining a small group or ministry group. Don't go solo. It's part of your discipleship to experience love. Part of your healing and restoration to experience love. To others and also to extend love to others. That is integral to our DNA as Christians. But small groups are not just meant to be communities of exclusive and inward love. But small groups are meant to be communities that witness God's unconditional love to the world as well. And many who are involved in the outreach ministries, whether in COSC or missions or witness and evangelism, hosting Uh, alpha participants in their groups. Many of them have been serving as small groups and a testimony that God is present amongst his people. You know, at this point, I just want to share something that struck me during the Holy Week services, in particular from Holy Tuesday service. You know, when a Slido poll was done asking the congregants to indicate someone who have hurt them, and yet to forgive. just indicate a category or a person without naming anyone. And the responses included a friend, a friend who has hurt them, a colleague, parents, spouse, an ex-spouse. No one put down the name such as Saddam Hussein or Hitler, responsible for war crimes, atrocities, killing millions or thousands. But rather they put down the name of someone around them in their lives. The person who hurt them or someone closest to them. And the list, as I look down, look at the list, included small group member, volunteer, co-laborer in Christ, church leader, And I include myself in that category, and I wonder in my heart, have I hurt anyone? Because the sad truth is that we, and I include myself, whether consciously or unconsciously, have hurt someone within the faith community, sometimes even in the course of serving God. Dr Tan Suin reminded us that as a church, we will not make headway to grow in unity to bridge the generations, or for that matter, any strategy, unless we learn to love more, we learn to love each other in a deeper way, unless love can arise in our hearts. And I'm humbled because I'm growing in that area as well. During this Holy Week, let's ask the Lord to help us grow deeper in a new commandment, that we may love others the different generations, the people around us. Forgive to reconcile. It's not easy. It'll take time. But let's take that next step of discipleship. To love with a new parameter. To love each other, regardless of ethnicity, class, status, and prejudice. To love with a new passion. To love like Christ, modeled by his foot-washing. And his death on the cross for us. A love with a new purpose. A love that proves that we are his disciples. And that he is present in our midst. And those who want to find love, who are hurt and broken, can find it here in Wesley Methodist Church. Friends, if we are to live out the new commandment to love as Jesus loved, we must be touched and be transformed by the love of Jesus. Not 20 years ago, not 10 years ago, not even 5 years ago, but today. And that's why we have the journey to the cross, that we may journey with Christ, know of his love, and experience his love anew. Allow me to share an illustration in conclusion of the way that Jesus loves us It's in a contemporary context, and don't take it literally, but it's meant to be just an illustration of how God loves us. A mother had a son whom she doted on when he was young, and they loved each other so much. But when he entered adolescence, he grew rebellious, especially after meeting bad company. He would skip school and spend nights out with his friends without letting his mother know. He would steal money from the home to buy gadgets to feed his entertainment and decadent lifestyle. Whenever he was home, he would isolate himself and just lock up the door. And he would go clubbing. And when he arrived home at night, he would be just, there would be a heavy stench of vomit and alcohol. With his earplugs blaring loud music, one night he met his mother in the kitchen, but just totally ignored her. When she asked him whether he was okay or needed anything to eat, he refused and mockingly spit into the kitchen sink. He then grabbed a bottle of milk from the fridge and slammed it shut so, such that the whole fridge just moved and almost toppled over. Then he proceeded to make his way to his bedroom, He locked the door, crashed onto his bed with his shoes on. And and this pattern had repeated countless times. But this particular morning, the mother calmly went to the storeroom, took a hammer and headed to the son's room and used the hammer to break down that locked door. She lunged into the room, jumped onto the son's bed, pulled out his earplugs and gripped his face with both her hands and said, Son, I went through nine months of difficult pregnancy, labored over ten hours in the hospital to bring you into the world. Your father had left you, I had to bring you up alone. No matter how much you have tried to break my heart, to push me away, to disappoint me, to cause me to give up on you, I will forgive you because you are my son. Don't ever think I will stop loving you. I'll even die to save your life. I'm waiting, my son, praying patiently for the day when you will love me back. And then, quietly, she walked out of his room. Church, sometimes I feel I'm like a son. But that's the kind of love that God reflects to us, demonstrates to us through the horrific death of His Son, Jesus Christ. Divine, gracious love poured out upon stubborn, imperfect, and rebellious hearts. Jesus proved His love for us on the cross, my friends. And God continues to pour that love upon us day by day. By his fighting for our attention because we're just so busy and distracted. He wants to rescue us from hate that we may be remade in his image of love. Church, this Holy Week, may we with grateful hearts receive God's love anew, afresh, and be transformed by his Spirit to prove to the world we are his disciples. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Take a few moments to to open your heart to the Lord. Though we are imperfect, he loves us perfectly. Though we may feel lost and without compass, his love encompasses us completely. He loves every one of us, even those who are flawed, rejected, awkward, broken. Will you open your heart to him? Will you love him back? Will you, will I, learn to love others just like Jesus? May I invite us to say this prayer together and make this a personal prayer. And I want to invite you to place your hand on your heart and just Say this prayer as an act of surrender, ready to receive the love of the Lord. Together, God of love, by the example of your Son, you have shown me what perfect and sacrificial love is. You gave up your Son for sinful me. You have given me the best gift, and I know that nothing can separate me from your love. Father God, Help me to receive your love with gratitude daily amidst the voices of distraction, doubt, and discouragement. Help me to hear your voice of love so that I can choose love and service instead of hate or fear. Abba, Father, I love you back. And as I immerse myself in your precious, powerful love for me, I offer up my life to you. Use me to love others the way you love me. I pray in Jesus' precious saving name. Amen.